Uh, good morning. We'll go ahead and uh, we'll go ahead and get started, if we could. Uh, uh, this is the uh, uh, this is the class on on uh, science and faith, and it's also the one that we get a free concert every uh, every class. So that's an extra bonus for us all. Um, <clears throat> uh, my name is Kevin Colbett, and uh, uh, I'll uh, uh, talk a little more introductory here in just a, just a minute. Uh, well, let's let's start off with a with a word of prayer, uh, and then we'll uh, then we'll get going. Uh, dear God, thank you for being our Father. Uh, thank you for uh, giving us each other, giving us this family to be a part of this family uh, at, at Otter Creek, this family of human beings, uh, this family uh, that's ever growing and uh, uh, consists of people who have gone on before us and will come at, come after us. Uh, this family that is. Just uh, trying to be like you, uh, trying to remember that we're created in your image and trying to figure out what, what that means exactly. <clears throat> uh, thank you that we're at a church where we can have uh, conversations like what we're going to have today, uh, classes like we're having uh, this fall, uh, and uh, that we, where we can ask questions and ask honest questions uh, of our dad. Uh, we do uh, praise uh, praise you for the birth of Olivia uh, and, uh, and the several other lives that have come into this world uh, to be a part of our family here. Uh, just thank you for the promise that the new life uh, new life entails for us all, and thank you for the promise of the eternal life uh, that's waiting us all. In Jesus' name, Amen. Um, I'm going to pass. This around, it's just an email roster. If you would like to uh, sign up for the uh, <clears throat> for the emails for this class, uh, I'll try to. If, if you want them, I'll try to attach the slides from today. Um, I'd like to thank Micah for kicking the class off a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I wasn't here, but I got to listen to it, and it was uh, it was really really well done. Um, uh, I've got a lot of pictures to show today, and I know that uh, Lauren and I are teaching either next week or the next. Um, and I'm going to really go out of my way to say, everybody, look at this picture right here and not really describe what's going on in that picture. So anybody who's listening online, they just have to wonder, what is he talking about? <laughs> so you know, if you have a chance to just ooh and ah occasionally as I say, look at this. This is the answer to everything right here. Just kind of play along. Um, so that'll be uh, that, that'll be fun, uh, and then uh, and then Jason last week uh, 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 continued on with uh, with our discussion. Uh, I don't remember exactly uh, how my topic was worded uh, for today, but I remember reading it and then going, "You should read the class syllabus before you volunteer to teach the class." Um, and it was something along the lines of. How to fully understand everything there is to know about science and scripture, um, uh, but I doubt we cover all of that today. Um, it may it may bleed into a little bit next week. Um, but the picture there, and we're gonna we're gonna kind of come back to that picture a few times today. That is of the uh, uh, Columbus Lighthouse in Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic. It's uh, Allegedly, the location, you can see the ocean there um, at the top of the picture. It's allegedly the place 
where Columbus landed back in 1492, whether it was or not, who, who really knows. Um, but it's, uh, the, the Columbus Lighthouse is not a beautiful structure. It's just big. And it's not grand. It's not anything that you want to go stand next to. Um, but it's just, it's just big. And, and when I was there a few years ago, I asked the guy who was driving, I said, what do people here think about that? Um, and he said, well, they just think it's a big, uh, it's a big structure. And, and the more I thought about it, the more I thought, that was a big deal. Uh, that was a big deal. And, and, and that was a time in the history of ourselves that literally two worlds collided. Two worlds collided. And I don't know that Columbus Day is worth celebrating. Um, I can have that discussion with people, and I, I can, if you want to take one side, I'll take the other side. Um, but I think it's definitely worth remembering because it was a big, big deal for the people in this hemisphere. It was a big deal in the people uh, in, the, uh, in the old world, in the eastern hemisphere as well. Uh, the planet changed there in 1492 uh, when the planet doubled in size. Um, so, but today we're going to talk about uh, maps, and uh, we're going to think about villages, and we're going to talk about some adjectives. Um, so we'll come back to the Columbus Lighthouse three different times, and that's kind of my reminder to, to shut up and have some class discussion. Uh, so when, when that comes up, <coughs> uh, that will be my cue to stop babbling for just a couple minutes as, as we're going along. So we'll start off... <coughs> Start off with maps, and I do have a lot of uh, maps to show you, um, because I found a Twitter follow a, a, a few months ago called Brilliant Maps, um, and it's it's as nerdy as it sounds. It really is. But every day I get a little tweet, and the, these guys, I think they're in, <coughs> I think they're in England. Uh, they find maps that are kind of interesting and cool, and they just put it out on Twitter, and they say this was an interesting map that we saw today. Um, and I love that. I, I think it's amazing because that's a representation of our world. It's, it's the world that we live in, and it's a way to describe uh, <clears throat> to describe things. So, uh, you know, that that map right there has some interesting socio-political uh, implications. That the red orange, the red areas, and the orange areas have the same population uh, here in the United States. That's a the, you know, we don't vote per square foot, we vote per person, but that makes a difference in how decisions get made and don't get made in this country. Um, inside that green circle on the planet, half the world's population lives inside that circle right there. Um, and that's, that's striking and that's humbling that uh, when we're sitting in traffic here in Nashville, it doesn't dawn on us that we're 4% of this planet that 96% of the souls of God's kids do not live uh, on Hillsboro Road between 4 and 6 p.m. <laughs> it seems like that they do. <clears throat> brilliant, more brilliant maps. Did anybody know that, that the country of Chile is that long? It's as long as the United States is. It's a, it's a big, long, if that's only interesting to me, I know, but it's just... <laughs> Um, it's not just maps of, of, of what's going on in the United States. That is the largest volcano in the solar system on Mars. It's the size of France. Um, 
So that's just, that, that is amazing. That, that Olympic Mons dwarfs any mountain that we have here on, on Earth. I mean, I like our planet. It's, it's really my favorite, but I wish we had cool stuff like that, too. Africa is a giant continent. You can see the United States there in purple, uh, but we've got room left over for all of Europe and China and India as well, uh, as, it, uh, as you can fit, you can jigsaw puzzle that in. And, and our perspective on that is warped because every world map that we look at on the wall is flat, and so you unroll it, and so the big parts, like the, the, the Russia and Canada, they get arbitrarily uh, abnormally large, and the stuff in the middle gets abnormally small, uh, and Africa's right there in the middle. That's a map that shows where you can and can't own a kangaroo in the United States. <laughs> um, so it, in case you need to know this, it, red, it is not legal to own a kangaroo. In, in the uh, orange, you can own a kangaroo with a permit. And Wisconsin, West Virginia, and South Carolina are by far the most progressive states on kangaroos. <laughs> but you don't even have to have a permit to own a kangaroo. Um, call your state legislator and let's try to get this changed. Uh, the areas, the countries in purple have red or blue on their flag, uh, all but about six countries on the planet uh, don't have those two colors. I think that's kind of interesting. The only countries with economies bigger than California are China, Japan, Germany, and England. Uh, China's the fifth largest economy on the planet. California. I'm sorry, yeah, California, that too. That's a map drawn by Herodotus, who was a uh, 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 contemporary in, the, uh, in, in biblical times. That's his world map. Uh, that's what he knew. So you had a southern sea and an Atlantic sea and what we call the Indian Ocean. Um, uh, and that was the world at that time. We're going to talk more about that perspective here soon. That somebody uh, went through and they, uh, in, in, with Brexit being in the news, they went through and they created a name for every other uh, uh, country in the European Union. I won't read them all, but if Italy leaves, there's Quitaly. Uh, some of the, there's a there's checkout. Yeah, sweet sweet done. The capital of Milan is withdrawal saw. So anyway, that, that's that's always a side. You see that one? Cyprus is called Cyprus. Um, so anyway, I'm glad you thought that was funny because uh, there's another Twitter Twitter follow I have called terrible maps. Um, and it's, uh, it just shows maps that, uh, that don't do a very good job of communicating things. Like the most popular word in each state. <laughs> right? Uh, what about a map of all the churches in Poland? <laughs> in case you wanted to go visit them all, there's a good, good way to navigate to them. <laughs> Uh, that's electricity consumption in Europe in 1507. So it, you can see it, it spans from zero kilowatt hours all the way over to zero kilowatt hours. There's a difference between Indonesia and Indonesia. <laughs> Prevalence of colorblindness. <laughs> it's hard. 
It's hard to see, but there are slightly different colors of red in there. Um, uh, and there's a map of the U.S. if it was an Oregon donor. <laughs> so, anyway, um, yes, we draw maps uh, to to, uh, to to orient ourselves uh, as to as to where things are. Early maps. The earliest map, probably not the earliest map ever drawn, but the earliest map that we have uh, comes from Babylon, 600 B.C. Uh, that's an interesting date because there was biblical stuff going on in Babylon around that time as well. Uh, but they drew a map of what they called the world. It showed Babylon as the center of the world, uh, and it was surrounded by circles. I think there were seven or eight of them, uh, uh, seven, seven or eight different circles uh, around Babylon, uh, surrounded by an endless ocean. Seems like a plausible way to look at things, 600 B.C. That was the world. Uh, flash forward a, a few hundred years, uh, Alexander the Great has come along. He's conquered areas that people in, uh, uh, in Europe didn't really know about or maybe heard rumors about. Uh, so Eratosthenes, who was Greek, uh, he showed the world after, after Alexander the Great. He was actually called the father of geography. He came up with, let's, let's make a grid system, uh, that sort of thing. Among his accomplishments were uh, he calculated the circumference of the earth to be about 26,000, 27,000 miles. It's 25,000 miles. And he did it just by measuring shadows on the equinox. Uh, I know you're thinking, well, we didn't know that the earth was round until Columbus. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. We, uh, that's just, that's, that's uh, uh, a myth that I think came from a Bugs Bunny cartoon. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, it, interestingly, he knew at that time, 2,100 years ago, 2,200 years ago, that uh, the Earth was much bigger than what he just drew. Much bigger than what he just drew. But he drew a world map because he drew what he just knew. But he knew that there was another 25 or 26,000 miles in any direction uh, that's not included on that map. I think that's, that's interesting. Uh, that's kind of blurry, but in the, in the Middle Ages, there's, there was a map uncovered uh, in, uh, in England. Uh, most of the maps during that time oriented east to the top. Uh, that's how you orient yourself, because the orient is to the east. All the interesting things happened in the east from the Western European perspective. Jerusalem was that direction. The sun came up that direction. Scary people on horses lived that direction. So all the interesting stuff was to the east, so east was the most important thing. People weren't uh, navigating with a uh, sextant as much just yet, um, so they, they weren't measuring their latitude by way of the North Star. So north wasn't important, as important as east, so you orient yourself that way. Now, now we're at 1550 AD, and I'm skipping a lot because I'm really interested in where this class goes the next several weeks. George is going to be talking in a couple of weeks about uh, some, some of the dates, some of the time that I've skipped in here. <laughs> and and this, this is where, th th this is in that gap of some of the stuff I want to introduce today. But this is just a map of, the, of, of North America, uh, an Italian nautical chart. Um, and interestingly, this is about the time frame where on maps, things started showing up like terra incognito, terra incognita. 
these are land, there's lands there. There are seas up there. We just don't know what they are. But we know that they're there. There's stuff there. We know that there's stuff there. We just don't know what it is. So that's a big difference between that perspective of the world and that perspective of the world. And they were both operating off a world that was about the same size. But we got to a point where we were saying, there's stuff, we just don't know what it is. Other people had a different way of looking at that. That there's stuff, but there's scary stuff there. The stuff that we don't know is scary. Here be dragons, right? So on this map, I know you can't see, there are dragons there, 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 and there um, in the areas that they don't know. Here be dragons. So there's different ways of looking at, at the things that we don't know. It's, we know there's stuff there. We just don't know what it is. And there's, there's stuff there we don't know. I'm operating off the assumption that that's scary to me. Okay? And I, we're going to talk in the context of maps about what happens to us as we go from this perspective of the world to that perspective of the world. And that, for, for people listening, uh, that perspective of the world is taken by the Apollo astronauts. That that's the perspective of the world that we have, that we know. We know what that looks like. We know that we're a little blue dot in a big dark ocean. And that's all that we've got. That's us. Everybody, that's the biggest selfie that's ever been taken right there. But the world went from a Babylon is the center and there's rings around it and there's an endless ocean, but everything I know is right here. My village is what I know. That's what I know. What I know is what's important to me. To there's an awful lot out there that we don't know. And it's even bigger than that. This is, the, this is not a picture of the Milky Way galaxy. It's a rendering of what the Milky Way galaxy probably looks like from a perspective further out in space. It's very hard for you to see, but all the stars, when we go out and we look at the stars in the sky at night, they're all inside this little tiny blue circle right here. So all the constellations that we see and all the, uh, all the, uh, all, all the pictures that we draw, uh, they're inside that little blue circle right there. And if we look close on a very clear night, we can see a fuzziness, a stripe. That's the, that's the Milky Way galaxy that we're looking down uh, along the, the, the axis of it. But everything that we see in the sky is inside that little blue circle right there. Our perspective is very different <coughs> than that. <coughs> that's a rendering of, taken uh, of all the known galaxies that Hubble has found. Um, that, that just Hubble is in. We're about to put another telescope into space that's more powerful than, than Hubble. But there's around 300 billion stars in the Milky Way, give or take. I, I lost count. There could be as many as 2 trillion galaxies. So you, now you're multiplying a whole lot of numbers together that puts us in a, in a very, very different perspective than the world is the area around me that I know, okay? And, and I want to I be careful. I want to be careful that we, don't, that we don't do this. I, I don't know exactly how to draw this. I haven't thought this all the way through. 
Um, <clears throat> last week we had we had up on the board that there was uh, maybe somebody took a, uh, took a picture of it, but we had uh, uh, atheism over here, and then we had un unbelief here, and we had uh, agnosticism here. That's agnosticism, not silver, by the way. <laughs> uh, and then we had belief here. That's not boron. Uranium. There's not just an A. Um, and, and, uh, and, and so we had, we had this up here. But I also I, I want to be careful to not, to not just put up a bunch of charts and put up a bunch of arrows and flow charts and say, over here is unenlightened, dumb people. And over here are enlightened, smart people. Okay, but that's not helpful to anybody to look at things that way. Uh, that's not helpful to anybody to look at things that way. <clears throat> I think it's well, well. We'll talk about this in just a second. But anyway, oh, we'll talk about it right now. Um, what it, it bears asking: Where are we? Where, 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 where are we right now? And and by we. Do I mean Otter Creek? Maybe. Do I mean uh, the United States? Maybe. Do I mean me individually? Maybe so. But we're all in between these two areas right here, somewhere. We're all in between uh, the everything I need to know, uh, everything I know is right here around me, in front of me, and there are two trillion galaxies in the world. So all I know is what's in my village, and that's important, and that's all I need to know. And there may be two trillion galaxies with three bi 300 billion stars, and each of those is several planets. Um, it's a big place. So we can get from A to B by going through the, and on our way here, there's a whole lot of things that we don't know. There's a lot of blank spaces on the map. That's exciting. That's cool. Uh, let's go figure out these things that we don't know. And we can go the other direction. We can say, there's a lot of blank spaces on the map, and that kind of scares me. That makes me nervous, uh, and and uh, so these are the things. There are things that I don't know, and there are things I don't know, and those might be scary. But this applies to faith as well. This applies to faith as well. That uh, I want to be careful and not say, let's all get as enlightened as we can, as smart as we can. Let's let's figure out all the equations. This is where God wants us to be. Maybe so. Maybe so. Um, but sometimes we need to be here. And I think that that's true. Sometimes, sometimes we need to be here. And, and I'm not talking about from a science perspective. I'm talking about from a faith perspective. Sometimes we need to know the simple truths and live in the simple truths. And sometimes we just need to know, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Sometimes that's all we need to know. That's what we need to hear. We need to hear that when you have, when you have gotten a diagnosis that is life-changing. That's what you need to hear. When you have had a tragedy happen to a, a friend or a family member, that's what you need to hear. Here. You need to hear, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. That is all you need to know. That is all you need to know. Uh, and layering on top of that trillions of galaxies or trillions of, 
uh, of uh, commentaries on the book of Acts? Maybe that's not what needs to happen at that point. So a lot of times, though, we do spend our lives in this area right here of, hey, from a faith standpoint, there's stuff I don't know. There's stuff I don't know. I realize that there's stuff that I don't know. I'm going to just explore that. I'm going to, I'm going to read a new book. I'm going to go to a different class. I'm going to try the... I'm going to try freedom prayer out. I'm going to see, see what that's like. Um, I'm going to see what else I can find out. Uh, and I'm finding out that there's a lot to find out. And I know that I, I feel like I need to say the punchline is whatever you do, whatever you do, don't go here. Don't be scared. And I, I do mean that. Don't, don't be scared. But I'm also saying I think it's okay for us to say, Hey, there's stuff that I don't know about, and that may not be a good thing. That may not be a good thing. I think that's good. I think it's good for us to be skeptical from a science standpoint, for sure. You know, I mean, you look back on on human history, we have done some things and utilized some things that we've discovered in terrible ways. We have discovered a number of different ways to uh, kill each other, right? We've discovered a number of different ways to inflict harm on each other. We've discovered a number of different ways to discriminate against each other. That's not, that's not good. That's not what we need. We need to be skeptical of that. We need to, we need to say, um, I, that's, that's probably a bad thing. Um, and I think that, that being skeptical uh, in matters of faith is a, good, is, is a healthy place to be sometimes as well. I guess my premise, though, is that uh, we're not on a continuum. We're, we're not saying this is where we are or this is where we are. I'm just saying we're moving. The world is moving around us uh, and, and things are changing. Things are changing. And staying put in any of these places along the way from a faith standpoint or from a science standpoint is a discredit to faith and a discredit to science. Faith is at its best when it's moving. Science is at its best when it's moving. Faith is at its best when it's wondering. Science is at its best when it's wondering. Faith is at its worst when it says, I know everything there is to know. Science is at its worst when it says, I know everything there is to know. Um, so I think if we're on one of the arrows and we're moving, I think we're probably in a healthy place. Villages. <coughs> Things are moving. This was a picture I took of a lady in uh, the mountains of Guatemala back uh, a few years ago. And I'll remember it forever. We were laying water lines uh, uh, from a spring and then down uh, toward the back, uh, there's a school and uh, we were taking the shortest route between two, uh, two points and uh, came across a house in the middle of the jungle with an 80 year old lady who had never owned a pair of shoes. Uh, and she said, would it be possible for you to uh, drop a water spigot here at my house so I don't have to walk the quarter mile straight down the mountain to go get water out of the contaminated spring and walk back. And we said, yes, we, we, that wasn't our plan, but we can, uh, we, we can definitely do that. And you think about the changes that have happened in her lifetime in the last eight years. Um, she spoke the Kekchi language. It's a language that if you know 100 verbs, you can communicate with people because that's all they needed. In their little village, in their little world, in their little valley, 
you get by with 100 verbs. You know how to say to eat, to dance, to sing, to plant, uh, to cook. Um, uh, you, can, you can come up with the other greatest hits, but you can, you can communicate with them. Well, 500 years ago, you get this influx from the old world come in, and all of a sudden their language starts incorporating words that they've never had before, like for horse and cow. Um, and uh, the, 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 I, I remember asking, what is the Quechua word for pipe? And they said, tubo. It's the Spanish word for pipe. They didn't have pipe. They didn't need a word for it. Um, uh, so so they, their, their vocabulary increased um, when their world increased. Well, uh, what's so funny is to talk to people like this, and I can FaceTime with them right now, and they can speak in Kekchi, and then you'll hear words like internet, right? You'll hear words like satellite. You'll hear SD card. Um, every, every, every new word on the planet for the past 100 years is an English word um, or some, some localized version of an English word because the world keeps getting bigger. Uh, her world keeps getting bigger in the life of her people. Um, her world has gotten bigger. And in the life of this hemisphere, the world has gotten bigger. Um, I want to ask, for our sake, for our world, human history, when have been times that our world, our village, has just gotten bigger? Where we have found out there is a, there is a whole lot of, not just geography, but a whole lot of things we just don't know. What are some like species-rattling times that we have had where we have found out that the map is a lot bigger than what we thought it was? Okay. All right. So when we when we uh, you want to just say call it like the yeah, but but like the last twenty years, right? We we have we we have communicate the way that we communicate and find stuff out. I'm gonna I'm gonna hope that's at the end of our timeline. So I'm gonna put that I'm just gonna put that in the two thousands. Okay. Even though I know a lot of that started uh, in the eighties and nineties. Um, what, what, when, when else? Internet. Yeah, yeah, and it, I mean the internet was a uh, electricity. So when electricity showed up, right? So we we had uh, in the in the eighteen, we'll just say nineteen hundred. Um, but uh, yeah, Thomas Edison said, you know what? We can, and uh, and Tesla uh, said that uh, said, well, hey, we can uh, we we can harness uh, stuff that you can't see. It can shock you, um, but we can harness it and we can use it uh, in ways to, to better humankind. When, when else? The 1800s during all the exploration, especially the British and people like that started exploring the world. Yeah, age of exploration. Human genome. What was that? Like human genome. Yeah, yeah, that was in like the... The, the genome project was in the 90s, and we're still figuring out what goes what goes with that, right? <laughs> the printing press. We'll, we'll get rid of the agnostics here. <laughs> Sorry, guys. You had a good run. Yep. One you don't think 
Nika very much, but freeways. Yeah. That was probably right in here, right? Yep, it's getting around. Cars. Cars, cars and freeways. Like all the astronomy in the past hundred years. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the pictures that we were looking at, you know, a lot of that started in the earlier 1900s while Hubble, Edwin Hubble lived in the early 1900s and he was the first one that said, you know what, I can actually put your hands on something in a lab that says the universe is expanding. Vaccination. Vaccination. So we have medical. I did not leave enough time in the 1900s, evidently. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> matter of fact, I'm not. I'm going to say no more 1900s stuff. 1492. Okay. I'll just put 1492. We, uh, you're cheating because we already talked about that one. But <laughs> yeah. you yeah. so, something we're going to mention when I teach is around the 1500s, 1600s, the transition from the pre-modern to the modern world. The pre-modern to the modern worldview. Renaissance. Renaissance. For, for my sake, I'll put Renaissance. Um, I can't spell Renaissance. I can't either. <laughs> Re what about the Roman road? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Rods as well. I'm sure that they used them. Um, let me let me hit a pause button here for just a second. Um, part of the premise that we're going to be talking about over the next uh, the next week, and then uh, a little bit of the next, is a transition to what George is going to be talking about. Um, and that is that if we sat here, we could think of uh, hundreds of other things that were just jarring to us as humans. Uh, this is a much big, my village is much bigger than what I thought my village was. But the point of this is that corresponding to each of these times, there were things going on in the faith community as well. I do not think it is a, an accident that Martin Luther was saying there's more to it than what you're saying, than, than what you guys are saying, at the exact same time that Magellan was sailing around the world. The age of exploration isn't just ships. The age of exploration isn't just the Human Genome Project. The age of exploration isn't just the Hubble Space Telescope. The age of exploration is also us saying, there's more to it than that. There's more to it than that. And when we have religious institutions saying, this is all you need to know. This is all there is right here. They confuse that with, um, with this is, I'm saying this incorrectly, and I want to make sure I say it right. To say, this is all you need to know is fine. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Jesus seemed to say, hey, there's a couple of things that are pretty important. There's the greatest hits right here, right? Um, that is what you need to know. But we cannot conflate that with that is all there is to know. Those are two very different things. All you need to know is not the same thing as all there is to know. And that applies to each one of these times where we found out there's a lot more to know. And when somebody makes this list 50 years from now, it's going to be really heavy on, oh, man, in the 2020s, we discovered a whole lot of stuff, right? 
can't believe those backwoods yokels were living in the pre-whatever time, right? There's a lot of blank space on the map. There always has been. There's a lot of blank space on the map. Um, and I think, I think what that does is it doesn't diminish the all you need to know. I think it accentuates the all you need to know. As the map gets bigger, the important things, I think, stand out as more important. The Jesus loves me, this I know, is to me all the more important to know that there's 8 billion people that Jesus loves, right? Not just my ability. Um, so I love this list, and, and, uh, and we're going to talk about uh, some faith movements and, 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 and perspectives and interpretations that have gone on at different points uh, in, in that. Uh, that the, the Renaissance was not just, a, not just an artistic renaissance. Um, it was a faith renaissance as well. And I would, I would say that it's still going on today. I would say that it's still going on today. We are on those two arrows somewhere. Um, and we, have, uh, we, we are finding out that there's a lot of blank space on the map. But to me, that makes me want to keep coming home to the Jesus loves me, this I know. And love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. Adjectives. we got about five minutes. I think I'll be able to do this. Um, when we talk about what qualities make a person good at science, um, <laughs> that's what happens when you Google when you Google faith funny and science funny. Those are the first two things that came up. Um, and we're not telling anybody on who's listening to what uh, to, to what's on the screen right because it's just not important. <laughs> Um, what if you were to say that person is we're getting rid of atheists now by the way um, I'm going to do my best to leave them because they're my favorite over <laughs> um, but uh, if you were to just rattle off give me five five adjectives where you would say that's a good science person what characteristic qualities would that person have curious curious okay I like that creative I like that. Dogmatic. Methodical. Methodical. I heard objective. That's good. Dogmatic. Uh, curious, creative, methodical. I, I think I was writing dogmatic in the same time I was writing methodical. Med. Scientists tend to disregard any evidence that doesn't backfit a theory. I heard objective, too. <laughs> Intuitive. Okay, now we're at six. Is dogmatic bad? Yes. It has it has negative connotations to me. It, it it's bad for a scientist, right? Absolutely. Is it bad for faith? Yes. I would say yes. Hmm. Yes. We don't have to just put good qualities up here, right? Right. I mean. Albert Einstein was not a perfect human being, right? He was not. He was not. And, and we're doing him a disservice if we say, if we if we say, oh yeah, he was the most humble dude ever lived, right? We, we didn't put we didn't put humble on here, but it can be humbling, right? The the, the 
the, uh, the greatest scientists were, were probably the ones who were the first ones to realize that the math is bigger than the rest of us, and perhaps that is a humbling time. These are good, these, these are good adjectives to describe a person of science. My point is, is that these can also apply to a person who is, quote, good at faith, right? These can be applied to a person good at faith. I think what can't be applied, or where you get into trouble, is where you start trying to read the Bible like a science book. Or you start to read a science book like the Bible, right? Um, I think that I think we have several commonalities along the way, but I don't think that we can read them the same way. We can't read them, and it's doing both of them a disservice if we do. Uh, are faith and science saying, both saying the same thing? Are faith and science two sides of the same coin? I can have that discussion with you. I'm not sure I agree with it, but I can have that discussion. Are faith and science complementary? <clears throat> I think a lot of times they can be, but, 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 but what if that's not the question? What if we just take a step back? And what if we say, do we really believe we are made in God's image? We say that. The Bible says that. But do, do we really believe that? Do we really believe that we are made in God's image? I do believe that. I do believe that. Who asked this question? Pilate. Pilate said, what is truth? Maybe... Maybe the most profound question asked in the Bible. That was a rhetorical question, though, wasn't it? Was it? It may be. I believe it was. Was it a mocking question? Maybe. I, I haven't heard the audio, I but it may have been. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it sounds different. It sounds different if you say, what is truth? Versus, what is truth? All right? Um, but I, I think it probably was. I mean, in the context of things, it was probably a mocking question. It was. But it's still a good question. Yes. Um, and it may have been a mocking question, but it may have also been an honest question. What is truth? What is truth? That's the question asked by many people today, right? What is truth? Well, what you see isn't really truth. And I'm not going to talk about fake news. I'm not going to talk about anything like that. I'm just saying there are people who are having crises of faith because they, they have trouble answering the question of what is truth. Yes, I am king. I was born for this. This was Jesus' reply. Um, oh, this was what prompted Pilate to ask the question. I was born for this. In fact, the reason I was born and came to this world was to testify to the truth. Everybody on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? Retorted Pilate. Most of the time, retort, that, that's not a, that usually doesn't imply polite. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Jesus Three different times, and then, then we're going to go, and it's where I'm going to leave you for next week. Yes, I am king. I was born for this. That was his reply. Different part of the Bible, this is how you pray. Different part of the Bible, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Those are the only three questions that Jesus directly answers. Those are the only three questions that Jesus directly answers. Every other time, he's like, let me tell you a story. Uh, every other time, he's like, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to reframe your question into a better question. He has asked 183 questions. He asked 307. Okay? 
He answered three questions. He asked 183 of them. He asked 307. The very first question that humans ever asked of God was what? Anybody remember? Who are you? Am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? And God's reply was? Sin is crouching at the door. He didn't answer the question directly. He didn't answer. Now, now, I think the implication is, yeah, you probably are your brother's keeper, Andy. But God didn't answer the question. We asked it, but he didn't give a direct answer. And I think that is a fascinating insight into us being created in God's image. Um, and it, it has a real bearing on whether you read Scripture as a conversation starter or as a conversation ender. And so I'll leave you with that for next week. Um, and uh, hopefully, whatever we didn't uh, figure out today, we'll figure out the rest of it next week. So thank you. Anyway. Thanks thank for coming. You.